today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Set aside time to pray, all H-E double toothpicks breaks loose, right? I mean, the kids start fighting, the phone starts ringing, and everything else starts happening. What is that? Oh, come on. It's the enemy. He doesn't want you to pray. Because he knows that the moment you pray, and that connection between you and your Heavenly Father is made, he's out of there. (laughs) As long as he can keep a Christian prayerless, he's got that Christian. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. In today's message, Pastor J.D. is going to be talking about the power of prayer. He tells us that one of Satan's biggest goals is to keep a Christian prayerless. Satan knows that prayer is the way that we communicate with God. And just like any other relationship, if we have no communication, our relationship crumbles. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're currently in Hebrews, almost finished with Hebrews. Not quite today. If you didn't notice, there are actually 25 verses in Hebrews. And God knows my heart. I did make an effort to try to finish the chapter and the book with it. But I got to verse 21. I thought, now right there. That's good. So you're going to have to come next week to... (laughs) You know, we learn these things as pastors over the years, just little things like that. So our text today is going to be verses 18 through 21. I'll ask those of you that are here, if you're able, if not where you're seated is fine. But if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. You can follow along as I read. The writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, is writing, and he says, verse 18, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly, verse 19, urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now, verse 20, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. (laughs) Let's pray. If you would, please join with me. Father in heaven, thank you so, so much for your word and for this portion that we have here before us today, here in your word. Lord, That's why we're here. We're here to hear you speak into our lives 
by that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, your word is life, your word is truth, your word is bread, your word is water. And man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that comes out of your mouth that we have here in your word. So Lord, please, we pray, would you minister to us? And for those who need comfort, would you comfort? For those who need encouragement, would you encourage? For those who need strength, would you strengthen, please? For those who need direction, will you direct, please? Lord, I thank you for inspiring the writer of Hebrews to write about prayer, because this is a word fitly spoken for us today. Thank you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So I want to talk with you today about why it is that prayer is so powerful and how it is that prayer is the most powerful thing that we as Christians possess. Have you ever thought of it like that? Well, let me ask the question, rhetorically, of course. What is the most powerful thing that you possess? What comes to mind? Many things might come to mind, but the most powerful thing that you as a Christian possess, that I as a Christian possess, is prayer. Prayer. Oh, we were quick to say, you know, prayer is a powerful thing. And we sing the songs, the power of prayer. We say it. We believe it. But do we really do it? Do we really understand it? Now, I am keenly aware that whenever it comes to prayer, (laughs) one of the most guilt-producing things you could talk about. I mean, how many among us would ever dare to say, yeah, I'm a man, I'm a woman of prayer. I pray all the time. I'm prayed up, as I heard one say one time. I'm like, you are? How how so? Because I know in my own life, there's no such thing as being prayed up or praying too much. Can you actually do that? Can you actually pray too much? Truth be made known, it could be said of all of us, uh, I need to pray more. I need to pray more, right? Come on, let's be honest. You're in church, you have to be honest. So I just want you to understand that I understand that when it comes to prayer, it can be such a guilt-producing condemning thing, and it need not be. In fact, prayer is not a got to, it's a get to. Can you imagine how it must be to God if prayer was a got to, like, oh, I got to (laughs) pray. The Lord's like, you know, that's that's okay. That's all right. No no need. Don't bother. If it's going to be like that, don't do that. No, it should be, I get to pray. 
It's a get to, not a got to. It's, think about this. And boy, how we have complicated prayer. We have made prayer so complicated. I've shared in the past about many years ago, I really set my foot to become a man of prayer. I even prayed, God, make me a man of prayer. Don't pray that, by the way, because <laughs> it's like God saying, are you sure about that? You sure you want me to make you a man of prayer? Because do you know what I'm going to do now? I'll make you a man of prayer, all right. Not like that, but boy, that's a, that's a serious prayer, and it's a prayer that God takes seriously, and rightfully so. But this is many years ago, and I, I just, I wanted to be a man of prayer. And so what do I do? I go out and I buy all these books, voluminous books on prayer. I mean volumes this thick. E.M. Bounds, uh, known for his voluminous works on prayer. F- fabulous, I mean fabulous books on prayer. So I got me an E.M. Bounds book on prayer. I'm going to read this book. I set it down on my desk, and I'm looking at this thing. I'm going, that's a very thick book. <laughs> um, it's going to take me a while. I better, I better get started. And then right at that moment, the Holy Spirit, just in that gentle way, as only the Lord can, just kind of ministered to my heart, spoke to my heart, impressed upon my heart. Hey, what do you think about this? Why don't you just pray instead? Because the amount of time it's going to take you to read that book, if you just pray, because all prayer is, is just talking to me. Just talk to me. Just talk to me. And, And by the way, you know what's behind this, right, when it comes to prayer? It's the enemy. Because the enemy knows what he does not want any Christian to know, and that is that prayer is the deciding factor. He knows how powerful prayer is. When a Christian prays, it's game over for him, and he knows it. He doesn't want you to know it. So that's why it is, by the way, that every time you set aside time to pray, all H-E double toothpicks breaks loose, right? I mean, the kids start fighting, the phone starts ringing, and everything else starts happening. What is that? Oh, come on. It's the enemy. He doesn't want you to pray. Because he knows that the moment you pray, and that connection between you and your heavenly Father is made, he's out of there. (laughs) As long as he can keep a Christian prayerless, he's got that Christian. So I want to talk to you about this today, and I want to talk to you specifically as the writer of Hebrews writes here towards the end of the chapter about why it is. I mean, we know that prayer is powerful, but do we really understand just how powerful prayer is? Do we really understand why prayer is so powerful? You know what's interesting is the writer first asks for specific prayer from them, then proceeds to pray a most wonderful prayer for them. Ah, I like that. And that's how it should be. And 
in so doing, were provided with what I found to be no less than four reasons. You might find more, but four reasons as to why it is and how it is that prayer is so powerful. And the first one is in verse 18, and it's that prayer brings much needed humility. And by the way, the enemy wants to distract you right now because he does not want you to connect these dots. He does not want you to connect the dots between humility and prayer. So here, the writer humbles himself and asks for prayer, saying that they're sure they have a clear conscience desiring to live honorably. Now that's a good way to start. But isn't it true that in order for the writer to ask for prayer, he has to first humble himself? You know how it is, right? By virtue of the fact that you would ask someone to pray for you requires that you humble yourself in order to ask for prayer. The Apostle Paul throughout the epistles, is always asking for prayer. That convicts me. That humbles me. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. And not only does he ask for prayer, like the writer of Hebrews, he asks for specific and fervent prayer. And then whenever he does, he always, after asking for prayer from them, always goes on to pray for them. In other words, pray for one another. Well, in order to do that, you have to first deal with this issue of humility. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of this connection to humility and the power of prayer. A prayerless Christian is a prideful Christian, and a prayerful Christian is a humble Christian. And I want to, if you'll just kind of bear with me, I want to connect these very important dots between humility and the power of prayer. So I want to say it's Proverbs 11.2, you know this verse well, that with humility comes wisdom. Let me say that again. With humility comes wisdom. Can I say it like this? Humility is the catalyst for wisdom. You want wisdom? You need to humble yourself first. And by the way, you need wisdom, <laughs> but you're not going to get wisdom because wisdom comes packaged with humility, for lack of a better way of saying it. Now where does the power come in? Well, humility before God is the beginning of wisdom from God, which in turn moves the mighty hand of God. Now the next book, and I probably say this every week, I hope you don't tire of me saying it, but when we do finish the book of Hebrews, the book we're going to go into next is James. I'm going to say it again, James. <laughs> you got to love James. No, you got to love James. When you read the book of James, it's not a book you walk away from going, 
<laughs> it's a book you walk away from going, oh Lord. I mean, he pulls no punches. And when we get to James, what we're going to find, spoiler alert, is this, that the wisdom from above, the wisdom that comes vis-a-vis humility, that wisdom is first, listen to this list, pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without hypocrisy or partiality, bearing fruit of righteousness. Well, that's quite a list. Sounds to me a lot like the same list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's because it is. Well now here's the connection. Wait a minute. So if that's the wisdom from above, the wisdom of God that comes vis-a-vis humbling myself, then it sounds to me like the power, dunamis in the Greek, of the Holy Spirit comes with that wisdom, because that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the wisdom that comes. Let me see if I can, by way of an example, illustrate it. And I want you to think this through with me. How many times in your life have you prayed, humbled yourself, even asked for prayer, and then it moved the mighty hand of God in a powerful and all add unmistakable way? So much so that you look back on it in retrospect and your only regret is that you didn't do it sooner. And there's almost a sanctified terror and fear of the Lord, which is another thing, by the way, when it comes to wisdom. But it's this reverent awe and fear of, oh my goodness, had I not humbled myself and prayed, I would not have been on the receiving end of this mighty and powerful and even miraculous answer to my prayer. That's another thing we're going to see when we get to James. You have not because you ask not. In other words, had I not prayed, that would have never happened. What what keeps us from prayer? Well, we would say, I'm too busy to pray. To which one responded, you're too busy not to pray. And it surely does not help when you hear of these mightily used men of God of old, now with the Lord, who would say things. I forget who it is, otherwise I would mention his name. Maybe some of you know who he is. But one of these mighty men of God, man of prayer, and he was quoted as saying one time, I've got such a busy day. i got so much to do today. I better spend the first few hours in prayer. What? How are you going to do that? There aren't enough hours in the day. Well, he knew something that I think all of us would do well to know. That as we, in its very cliche, will often say, prayer changes things. Here's what I'm thinking. You take the time to pray 
first, first and foremost. And God hears that prayer because He always will. And God answers that prayer because He always answers prayer. We, we just may not like the answer, especially when it's no. I like the yes. I don't like the no. You know the one I really don't like is when the answer is wait. Oh, I hate to wait, but just wait. So you take it to the Lord in prayer. First thing you do, and you just lay it all out before the Lord. You say, Lord, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> there's no way that I'm going to make it through this day unless you help me. I need help. Oh, the Lord rushes in. You're looking at your schedule, you're thinking, whoa. And then because you took that time to pray, and it's not the length of the prayer, it's the strength of the prayer. By the way, that does not apply to sermons, just so you know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's the fervent and effectual prayer of one who is righteous in the Lord that accomplishes much. And so we pray effectually. And by the way, again, it doesn't need to be this lengthy. In fact, sometimes those kinds of prayers are so rote. You know what I mean by that? It's the, it's kind of like a routine formality. Listen, Prayer is talking to God. Sometimes it's just crying out to God. Sometimes the best and most powerful prayers are the ones that have no words, only tears. One has referred to them as liquid prayers. Very powerful, those prayers, those crying out to the Lord prayers. So you lay it all out to the Lord, and you've got this day that there's no way, and the Lord is just like waiting at the ready. And you come to Him, you commit your way, your day to the Lord, and the Lord will do it in such a way so that, again, it's unmistakably Him. And that which would have taken you perhaps 10, 11, 12 hours to do that day, <laughs> God does it in five. Let's see, 12 minus 5, that's seven hours I could pray, because it's only going to take five. God is able to do that. And God wants to do that. And again, to answer the aforementioned question of why is it that we don't pray, well, we make excuses. No, that is what it is, an excuse, because think about it. If it's important, you'll make time for it. I'm getting so convicted right now, but I mean, I know in my own life, hey, if it's a priority, I'm going to make time for it. If prayer is truly a priority, I'm going to make time for it. I'm not too busy to pray. I'm too busy not to pray. And by the way, prayer too, and one last thing on this before we move on, very important, please hear me on this. I'm just sharing with you things that have just changed my prayer life over the years in ways that, I mean, again, my only regret is that I didn't do this sooner. But for me, prayer was always this formal ritual, you know, and somehow I just had this notion that the more powerful prayer is the one that you're 
on your face or at least on your knees. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.